2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 167 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you? How?
1: Um, I'm on the fair to middling side of things today, Valerie, I oh, would yes. say. We That's have limped good. to the end of the school oh, holidays. yes. Goodness, limped, yes.
2: slid in under the wire, what limping things quietly. What exciting did you do during the school holidays? Did you get much writing done, or were you busy school holidaying?
1: Uh, well, no, yeah. Okay, so the yeah, okay about that. So the first week I got zero done because right. we actually went on a bit of a road trip, but that was quite fun because nice. I popped into bookshops and signed books along the way and did a few different things. And we we looked at gardens and we wine tasted and we went to Dubbo Zoo and you know we did all that sort of stuff. It was really really fun. Um,
2: Dubbo Zoo. So.
1: Yeah, so that was good. So that was quite a good week in the sense that I just, I really just didn't do anything. I, and I went to bed at, honestly. It's so funny, you know, people when they go on holidays, they stay up late and they, you know, party and they whatever. I go on holidays, I go to bed at nine o'clock. It's just like my, it's like my whole body stops. It's like, okay, I've stopped doing that. So now my body is going to stop doing everything, um, which was good. Um, And I read a couple of books, which was great. And, you know, I just, yeah, I really just didn't do much at all. Um, The second week was ridiculously busy because I had the week off. So I, you know, had a a zillion things to catch up on and I'm putting together some new workshops. I've got a couple of big talks coming up. um, Right. In May, so I needed to, you know, get that sort of stuff together, and uh, and I'm hoping to start a new manuscript. Um, wow! But yeah, but probably not until June. I think I've okay. decided that I'm going to spend May uh, just a final, like I, I think we've discussed. I've been editing. Um, book two of the Adaban Cypher yes. series. So I'm going to spend May finishing that and doing all these works. I've got a lot of school talks. I've got workshops. I've got, you know, all sorts of things happening in May. So um, I'm going to edit around that. And then I think June uh, I've cleared the decks and I'm going to actually start something new, I think.
2: Have you already got the idea, Presum- or presumably you have, if you uh, – I
1: actually. do, yes, I do. How I- far started- along are you? Uh, well, probably about – 20,000 words uh, but they're 20,000 words that I wrote a while ago and I think that in the meantime I've been ruminating as I do in the back of my mind on the character and I think that the character has developed uh, quite a lot and she is going to need so because she's developed quite a lot in my mind the whole manuscript is going to require some rewriting. So So you're going to
2: restart a manuscript in a sense?
1: Yeah I'm kind of going to restart a manuscript in a sense and Um, yeah, and my plan will be to hopefully finish that in June. So it'll be a rewrite. It's a shorter book though. It's, it's a middle grade again, but it's, uh, it's a shorter one. So it'll be around the 40, maybe 45,000 words rather than sort of 55, which is what the others have been. So yeah, so it'll be 40 to 45,000, I would say.
2: That's exciting. Yeah, so about, well, me. I know
1: it's weird though, isn't it? I'm halfway through it and I'm starting again. But if you're going um, to
2: restart it in June, is the plan then to actually work on it, you know, almost every day for yeah. a, a set period until yeah. you finish?
1: Yeah. So, so the June's plan? Been, well, the, the plan is to, to write it in June. So the, the plan is so to –
2: Oh, just the month of June. Right. Okay. The month and, of June. And finish yeah. it. So, okay, right. And
1: finish it. Yeah. So my – because wow. I've
2: got – because
1: I've got that twenty thousand, and I've actually mm-hmm. outlined to the end of the book in this instance, which is unusual for me, mm-hmm. um, because I do have that. Even though we've got a, I've got a significant probably tweak to do because of the change, the just the development of the character. She's kind of come to life for me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a, a, cha- a matter of actually, yeah, just getting the whole thing done in June.
2: Wow, that's exciting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it is exciting. The reason I'm doing it then is because I've got – I I know what the rest of my year looks like. (laughs) Mm. So it's that whole thing of like I'm looking ahead at what's coming up and it's the best month for me to actually yes. um, get some solid writing in. So my, my plan for this year is to do solid writing in June and solid writing in November again with NaNoWriMo. And I've yeah. got two manuscripts that I'm planning to work on in those periods. Um, and then the other months will be for editing and, and, and other, things. other things. The book's coming out in the US later in the year. I've got quite a lot of work to do as far as that's concerned as well.
2: Yeah, right. Well. Oh. You're busy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But and yet here I am
1: chatting away to you. Feeling fit <laughs> to about the whole thing, <laughs> getting through the school holidays. Yeah.
2: It's funny, oh, isn't it? What, what about excuses? you? What have
1: you been doing apart from tying knots in rope? Oh, what have yes. You
2: been well, I've been doing two main activities. One has been tying knots in rope because of my new obsession with rope. And if you have a look at my Instagram, you will see that I am completely obsessed with rope. Yes, rope. Rope. <laughs> I'm I'm and my my neighbours are now used to it. Like, I get deliveries of various types of rope from different suppliers because I'm trying out different types of suppliers till I find the ones I like. And um, yes, you should see the whole house. I sat on the lounge room this morning with my cup of tea and I just stared straight ahead, and the place is just covered with. You know, wall hangings and some some walls. There are wall hangings upon wall hangings upon wall hangings.
1: <laughs> uh, so, are you like? What are you going to do with all this stuff? Are you planning an Etsy shop? I mean, you know, the thing I love about you, Val, and this really truly, people is one thing I love about Val is that you <laughs> don't do anything by halves, do you? Like it's it's all, one in all in, and if you love it, then you're going to go hard in yes, that area.
2: Go hard. I've been going go very hard. hard. Or- Go home. Um, exactly. What are you going to do with
1: all these wall hangings? Will you be having a giveaway for our podcast audience, I, I or like, what know. are we going to do with it? They're
2: all sort of, you know, um, just really for fun. I'm just exploring my creativity with rope, and I'm learning, of course, because this is mm. a fairly new thing for me. So I'm experimenting. You know, I'm learning stuff in from books and from um, tutors as well. Like, I've engaged uh, tomorrow. I'm off to Moss Vale to learn more from an individual tutor and. Um, the following week, I've engaged a tutor to come to my house, and she'll be doing a, a, a morning, you uh, no, a, a three-hour session with me on rope. So I'm learning lots of stuff. Um, so I don't have any purpose really for the ones I've made so far, except for. Uh, all, Except for one is going to a property styling company um, who wanted a tribal boho look. Hopefully, I've achieved that and going <laughs> to use I'll it get in their you properties. go?
1: <laughs> you're going to throw it. All, I just see, you know, the, the writers that you're going to throw the whole thing aside and go and become a rope artist, aren't you? <laughs> just Valerie Koo international no, rope artist.
2: I don't think so because I think you can have parallel passions and we'll see how long the rope passion lasts because the writing one has obviously lasted for decades. It's
1: been the longest yes Yes. that's right.
2: Uh, So on the other side of it when I have not been spending six to eight hours a day on rope I have (laughs) been spending uh, the other eight or so hours on my writing uh, or on writing related activities and the most recent activity has been um, because you know regular listeners will know that I bang on about this from time to time um and that is the explosion in content writing and mm-hmm. as part of a broader content marketing strategy that ma- that mainly corporates are using and that's because these days corporates are becoming public, are becoming publishers in themselves and I've become you know semi obsessed with it Maybe not as much as rope, but Uh I have always had a keen interest watching the development of that industry because I think that it creates wonderful opportunities for freelance writers. And I'm now at a stage that I've done quite a lot of content writing as well as studied it that I am now also designing a course just in content writing. So Ah. when I am not tying knots in rope, I am talking to PR people, talking to content agencies, talking to, well, obviously, I've already talked to many freelance writers about their approach from all of those p- uh, organizations' perspectives uh, to content writing and developing what I th- hope will be a really robust course on content writing, which is just ever so slightly different to magazine feature writing. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so I do. Yeah. It's been They've been my two main areas of focus lately.
1: Right. Well, yes, you've you also go. been very busy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, but I'm not writing 45,000 words like you. Um, so who, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll write 45,000 words on rope one day.
1: <laughs> I can only hope, Val. <laughs> I can only hope. I'm sure they'll be fascinating.
2: <laughs> Oh, well, I have to say, um, a um, a major paper, they just heard about this obsession with rope and they, they have asked for 1,200 words on rope. And I'm just thinking. And have you done those words yet? I Belle? haven't yet. I haven't yet because I haven't quite figured out how to marry the two, but uh, that's on the agenda. But anyway, let us move on uh, to, we want to give a shout out to Rachel Layton, who has very kindly left us a review on iTunes. And Rachel has said, inspiration and some great tips. Now, she said, I'm a regular listener of the podcast and I love the inspiration it provides. I've picked up some great tips along the way which have helped me with my writing. The author interviews are always interesting and I prove that a writing career is not beyond the realms of possibility. Thanks, Val and Al, for providing great content each week. Oh, that's lovely. Well, thank you, Rachel. Yes, thank you, Rachel. That's made my day.
1: Hmm, I'm sure absolutely. it's made Al's day too. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings and, you know, just gives us that little, little happy dance when we see us. It does. It gives us a little buzz,
1: doesn't yes. it? We're all about the little buzz.
2: Yes, exactly. The buzz. Now, another listener, Anna, sent me an interesting link, which I thought I would share with listeners. And it's from a. Um, uh, uh, ScienceMag.com So obviously it's scientific <laughs> And um, right. it's called If You Love That Old Book Smell You'll Love This Because you know the old book smell You know, it, you and I would know the old book smell Not because yes. we're old or anything But no. we have lots of books And, you know, our libraries aren't contained just in the Kindle so, people who do have lots of old books will know that when you pick it up, there's, you, you, there's, there's a very distinctive smell to the book. Now, this uh, article opens with open, flip, sniff, repeat. That's a ritual many a bibliophile knows well when cradling an old book. Now, researchers... Are bringing a sommelier like appreciation to the art of inhaling a lungful of library smells, Smithsonian.com reports. Seriously? <laughs> yes, isn't that amazing? Because as paper decomposes, it, it emits different types of smells, and our noses recul- start to recognize that familiar old book smell. So I just, the, the um, researchers are developing a are you get? Are you ready for this historic paper odor wheel? <laughs> right. Historic paper odor wheel, and they will categorise scents like earthy, woody, smoky, and you know aromas. Uh, these are like uh, aroma wheels that are similar to, to, like you know, here you have wine that you have oaky and full bodied and whatever. Well, mm. yeah. Soon it seems that we're going to have. Sommelias for book smells. <laughs> that's just,
1: it's kind of bizarre. Do we not think that's a little bit weird? It is
2: a little bit bizarre, but uh, the reason for it though is that those Sommelier book <laughs> smell people or people mm-hmm. who are experts in this area and who will refer to the historic paper odor wheel can then determine the level of degradation in a sense for the, uh. the paper in a library or a museum or whatever and then can treat it accordingly depending because, you know, it would tell them where it's at in its life stage in a sense. So Mm. there you go. Do you love the smell of old books? No. I don't love the smell of old books. I like the smell of new books.
1: Mm, So do I.
2: Mm. Because when you do smell those old books, it probably means there's been a bit of damp around.
1: Mm, Musty. They sort of smell musty, don't they? Yeah, I don't – Love it. But I know people do. There are people that do. And if you do, then this is for you.
2: Yes, this is for you. What I do like when I go through my old books, I find these $2 notes in them. I don't know $2 why. $2 notes? using them as you using them as bookmarks book yeah. or something? You remember $2 notes? <laughs> yeah. I have to say the,
1: the things that fall out of old books can be really interesting, like when you get them from secondhand bookshops and stuff. Like some of yes. the things that people – did use as bookmarks is uh is always very, very interesting. I love the like little notes and you get shopping lists and you get <laughs> Get all sorts of things.
2: Yes, this. Um, uh, actually, I'll just give you a little bit of a um, preview of the author that we're going to talk about. Um, that we're going to talk to this week, who is Mark Holden. One of the things that he writes in his memoir is that um, he <laughs> he had given his mother uh, a book. Like he, uh, was it his mother or oh, no? May, uh, maybe I'm confusing. Oh. I, I take it all back. I don't want to tell Let's the wrong story. Not even talk story. about it. I, I don't want to tell the wrong story because um, maybe this didn't. I've read so many books that maybe this didn't happen in Mark Holden's book. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, forgive absolutely. me, listeners. I, that was a little bit of a teaser. <laughs> right, so maybe we should move
1: on at this point, Valerie. Yeah, we'll
2: move on. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let us move on then to uh, a link that I found on sharpened pencil editing. Hmm. Oh, okay. sharpened pencil editing. Now I think this is a really good link and we'll put it in the show notes which of course you can find at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au and um uh It is called Back to Basics, The Narrator. Now, I think a lot of people who start writing, they don't necessarily have to know this at the start because I encourage people to start writing without having to, you know – get into all of the nitty-gritty and detail and theory about writing. But once you decide that you like writing, I do think it's important to understand some of the principles of writing. And that's where what a lot of our courses teach as well. But this is this link talks about the different types of narrator that you would have in your book. And I think not enough people will think about this because they just do it instinctively. But That's fine. Still do it instinctively. But at some point I believe it's vital to learn about the different types of narrators so that you can apply it so that you know when you're breaking the rules in a sense. Uh. So this lists the first person narrator, which is, of course, where the protagonist is telling the story, right? Uh. Um, And it's very much uh, I did this, I went to the shop, I climbed over the mountain and so on. Then there's the first-person limited uh, narrator, which refers to a story told by someone other than the protagonist. So mm-hmm. the story is limited because that particular someone isn't there to witness every moment of the protagonist's life, so they can uh-huh. only tell a limited point of view. But then there's also third-person multiple uh, narrator, which we're seeing a lot more of these days, you know, with mm-hmm. like say Leon Mariotti's books and um, – well, you know, the slap was written in multiple points of view. Uh, but that is where your narrator is more than one character. But then also the third-person limited narrator where the narrator is in the dark about something, so they can't know everything. So it might, might be involved in a mystery. A third-person limited na- narrator might, um, might uh, be appropriate for a mystery. And one that's very common is the third-person omniscient narrator which Mm. is where the third person knows everything and knows something that the characters don't, right? Mm. Mm. And the unreliable narrator. And this is where the reader can't count on the narrator because they have a tendency to lie or maybe they've got bad memory or, you know, something that they could have their facts wrong. So – this, it sounds a little bit technical, but I actually encourage you, if you are getting into writing, to discover the different types of narrators there are mm. and, and figure out where yours fit and, fi- and figure out sometimes when you're writing in a different way, have you slipped into one of the others? Um, yes. Because that's so important to, to, to know. What do you typically write in, Al? <laughs> I
1: knew you were going to ask me this. And I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to work it out.
2: Um <laughs>
1: I tend to write third person limited. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So most of my stories are from, for example, but then I also slip into multiple narrator, also third person limited. Um, So most of my, so the Mapmaker Chronicles books, for instance, are written from Quinn's perspective. Yes. So we see what he sees. We know what he knows. We don't necessarily, um, we don't necessarily know anything else unless we see another person's perspective on the story. Yeah. Um, so it's not an omniscient narrator. I'm pretty sure it's third person limited. But see, I don't. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to work that out because I've never actually technically gone through and decided that I was going to write my books like that. Yes. I just write my books like that. I'm very aware about the point of view. Yes. Um, I'm very, very aware of that because I. It's very important if you're going to write. You know, for example, from the perspective of Quinn, that it's Quinn's point of view that we see all the time, um, and that he can only see what he can see. He can't you know, suddenly knows stuff that's going on elsewhere, Mm. particularly when he's on an island and everyone else is on a boat somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Like it's those kinds of things are quite important. But I've never actually, I can honestly say I have never specifically sat down and thought this is how I'm going to write my book. It's just Mm. that's how my books are written. Um, And I have toyed with the idea of doing a first-person novel. Yeah. And it's something that I might, you know, I might do a bit down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, what
2: as I a creative think, challenge or just or just as why? a creative
1: challenge? Because mm-hmm. I I do like. I mean, I personally like third person because I I, I think it allows you it lo- allows you to play with description and and things in a way that first person doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to give you know you know I think it allows you to play with literary devices in a way that first person doesn't. But I think first person is a really interesting exercising voice, and that's probably why I would do it Mm. Um, and also I think it will suit the story. See, that's the thing. I think you've got to choose the narrator that suits the story and the story that I have in mind is probably older YA and that tends to be a very first-person, you know, experience. There's a lot of first-person in YA and particularly in older YA. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just think you choose... For me, the narrator comes with the story and the narrator comes with the character mm. and so the perspective. And also I guess the other thing you have to consider, like I just said it even there, is the conventions of your genre of what yes. you're writing in. Um, you know, as I said, there's a lot of first person in YA and older YA, so the story that I'm telling is probably naturally going to fit into that and so therefore I would go with the conventions of that genre, mm. which is first person.
2: Yep, But well, that that makes quite sense. Linked. It's I, quite, limited, quite for, yeah. limited,
1: yeah. Um, yes. So it it will be an adventure. I'd like to give that a go and to see how I how that came away.
2: So you've never um, written that, in first person before? I don't write only blogging.
1: Only blogging. Oh, yes. I blog in first person. Yes, clearly. Yes. Um, but no, I, no, I don't. I, I don't. I, I think that just comes from. Um, I don't actually love reading first person. Mm. I think that's possibly why. There's. I can. You could probably name a handful of books that I've enjoyed in first person. Mm. I, I like third person. I think third person allows uh, more creativity in the craft than first person does. I guess is all I, is the only way I can probably describe it. Yeah. Um. Which is not to say that I mean obviously I, I'm sitting here saying first person is a challenge. So it, it's not that I'm, um, you know, undervaluing the. What first person is, or what first person can bring, yes, um but i I just think it's a it's it's just not what I naturally am drawn to. So yeah. therefore, for me, it would be more of a challenge, I think.
2: Mm. All right. Well, let's move on to our next link, which I think is really interesting. And it's from The Right Life. And it's a post called How to Work with a Beta Reader, Five Tips for Success. Mm. Um, And, you know, of course, a beta reader are the non-professional readers who – they might be your friends who are into reading, who test out your book before you send it, say, to a publisher or to an agent or whatever. And the point of that is to get their reaction and just to – get their response of, oh, did it make sense? Oh, was it engaging? Oh, you know, was it fantastic? Was it boring? You know, just to get some um, feedback on your story because often we're just too close to our stories to be Mm -hmm. able to objectively do that ourselves. So do you have beta readers? Well, um, I think we've talked
1: about this before but I do – I have um – I'm quite lucky in the sense that I know a lot of kids. So mm. I I did, um, with the first book in the Adaban Cypher, I did um, – so th- with the Mapmaker Chronicles, I've basically only ever sort of read them with my own boys. Mm. But with the Adaban Cypher, I particularly wanted a girl's perspective on it. Yes. Um and so I, I did send it out to a couple of girls of the correct age that I know. Um, and I, you know, I really value their feedback because if you ask kids that age to to do a job for you like that, they're so chuffed to be asked, for starters, mm-hmm. and they will be very, very honest with you. They're not going to – they're not <laughs> like adults. They won't just go, yep. yeah, I really liked it. Yep. They're going to tell you and they're going to they, – the other thing I find <laughs> fascinating with it is – even though I tell them it's a first draft and there's going to be typos in it, <laughs> they will go through and they will correct every single <laughs> mistake. And, yeah, they're hilarious. They're fantastic. Mm. Um, but I think the key to it, um, and I don't care how old your beta readers are, whether they're 10 or 40, is mm. to give them a specific list of questions. And I yeah. noticed that that's one of the tips in this book. Post Definitely. that you've uh, given us here is yes. that you um, you have to be specific about what you want from them. Mm. You can't just say, "Did you like the hero?" Because mm. you know a yes or no answer is not going to get you anywhere. You need to be quite specific about what it is that you're looking that you're looking for from them. Um, mm. And I actually send out a list of questions with a little bit of a space under it where they can write their comments and stuff, and then they send it back to me. Um, with their comments and, you know, what they liked and what they didn't like and where their inconsistencies and would they read. My, the biggest question for me, particularly with the Adaban Cypher, is would you read more? Like do you right. want to know more about this? Yep. Um, what what aspects of it did you want to know more about, you know, and that sort of stuff. So because obviously I was looking at, at this being a new series and so I wanted to make sure that I was setting something up here that mm. they would go back for, you know, and things like, who, you like, because there's quite a cast of characters in the Outer Band Cypher. There are four mm. girl characters and two main um, male protagonists as well. So there's six of them. And I wanted to know who had made the biggest impact on them. Right. And the thing I loved about it was yes. that I, I probably sent it out to five or six kids, mm. and all of them came back with a different answer to that question, really? which was oh. just what I wanted. It was perfect. Oh yeah, wow! They had it's favorite characters like yeah. the Spice
2: Girls, like you know, a girl
1: <laughs> group. A girl group and a couple of hangers on. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, right. Yeah, oh, that's so
1: they great. had different, and they had different reasons for liking those characters. Yeah. So you know, you, you you're looking for very specific questions and answers, I think. Not just yes or no, did you like it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, And if you've got something in there that you're not sure about, if there's some plot element that you're, you know, you think might be a bit weak or whatever, ask them about it. Don't think it's going to cover And kids kids will not let it go, like in particular. I mean, adults might be like, oh, I'm sure they'll get it in the second draft. Mm. But kids won't let it go. They'll be like, yeah, this made no sense, Alison. Yeah,
2: right. Okay. Yeah, the cool. other thing that um, – because you said you sent it to, you know, five kids or whatever, one of the suggestions in this post is to work in batches, which I think is a really good idea. And what they've suggested is you might send your first, you know, beta reader draft to two or three people but then wait for their feedback. Like don't send it to ten people at once because you, you want to wait for the first t- um, first batch of feedback to come through because you might make some tweaks and especially if they all say a particular scene made no sense. So then once you've done that then send it to your next batch of readers. So if you have the time to do that, I think that that's um, quite wise advice as well.
1: I, I to be honest with you, Val, I I would actually advise against doing that. Really? Why? I would advise against well because I would advise against sending it out to 10 people for starters.
2: Oh, okay, sure. Um how, I just how many honestly think it's
1: she would go well, to? Uh, uh, I reckon, I mean, maximum of four or five. Right. Because all you're going to get is a whole bunch of different feedback that unless you're used to dealing with feedback, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm kind of used to it, I know what I can discard and what I can't, if you Mm -hmm. suddenly start trying to implement the feedback from 10 people into your manuscript, you are going to end up in a horrible, horrible mess. So So my thought would be that you would send it out to two or three people Mm -hmm. um, and then I I would send that first draft and get the feedback on any questions that you specifically have for yourself. Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't send it out again. Because wow. you're just going to get conflicting feedback from other people. Oh, trust yes. me. Okay. i you. We're never going to agree.
2: Yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> you, have
1: to have, you have to be strong enough in your – you have to have a strong enough vision of what your story is that you're going to be able to take that feedback.
2: Yeah.
1: Because can, this can be a real trap for young players. Mm. You're going to be able to take that feedback and you're going to be able to decide what that – you know, which bits of that feedback are actually useful to you and which bits are not. Mm. and if you've got 10 people all at different phases coming back to you with different feedback it's it is honestly just going to really get you in a pickle yeah so think very carefully about two things think very carefully about who you're going to use as your beta readers very important really really carefully so about important. that so important and then be strong enough in your vision of your story to understand what of that feedback is important and what's not
2: yeah Absolutely. Um, so, what would you your suggestion be for how to pick the right beta readers?
1: Well, I just think you need to like. I mean, it, I guess in my case with the with the kids, I choose. Yes. Um, I choose kids that I know read a lot and read mm. really widely. Like a, these are these are kids that are voracious readers, who understand, and and who read things that you know come back to me. And talk to me about books that they love, that are books that that kind of A, fit within the kind of thing that I'm writing, but also be a really good examples of that. So yeah. how do I just, so they're kind of discerning readers, even though they're 10. So if you're going to use a reader, use a discerning reader. Yes. Um, but if I was writing, like, you know, w- when I was writing adult fiction, um, most of the people that I got to do beta reading for me were other writers who were a little bit further along the chain from me as far as like further up the publishing tree than I was mm. who were friends of mine, and who mm. I'd met at writing conferences, which is why you talk to people at writing conferences. Yes. Um, and who, you know, we, we sort of worked together on reading different things. So um, that's kind of how I used to do that. Mm. So, Yeah. Uh, but I just think, you know, d- don't get your mum to do to be your beta reader oh, because absolutely you're not. never going to get what you need yeah. from that. Great. And also don't send your work to someone who doesn't read what you are writing. Yes, that's right. Because you will never get useful feedback. You know, Even like, if
2: they've offered.
1: No, even if they've offered because mm. at the end of the day I just think that, you know, we, we look for different things in books and if yep. if you're writing, you know, romance and you send your work to someone who reads literary fiction only, Mm -hmm. chances are you're not really going to get the kind of feedback that you need.
2: Yep, absolutely. Mm. All right, let's move on to our giveaway this week, which is our wonderful Mother's Day book pack where you can win seven books and we are going to try and get – this prize to you before mother's day in case of in case you want to give it to your (laughs) mum. so the seven books are redeemable a memoir of darkness and hope by erwin james police at the station and they don't look back they don't look friendly by adrian mckinty i hate the internet by jarrett kobeck lincoln in the bardo by george sanders storm and grace by Catherine Heyman. Third Time Lucky by Carly Lane and Their Brilliant Careers, The Fantastic Lives of 16 Extraordinary Australian Writers by Ryan O'Neill. So, the competition closes the 1st of May and all you need to do is go to writerscentre.com.au slash win and just enter there and you could be in the running to win this great Mother's Day book pack of seven books. And if you're go into that URL in the future, don't worry, there'll be some other fantastic competition that you can enter as well. So, that's writerscentre.com.au slash win. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd love to create your own picture book, our popular five-week course in writing picture books will show you how. In less than a few hours a week, you'll discover what you need to know about point of view in a picture book, structure and pace, as well as language and rhythm, finding the right voice, working with illustrators, publishing options and much more. Complete it online for ultimate convenience and receive personalised tutor feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. Are we ready for the word of the week, Owl?
1: I am more than ready, Valerie, more <laughs> than ready.
2: It is peregrination. So it's like peregrine and then asian, Peregrination. Do you know what that means? Mm.
1: Does it have something to do with birds?
2: Kind of. Well, Mm -hmm. birds probably go on a peregrination.
1: Like a peregrine falcon.
2: Sort of, yes. This means, so peregrination means travelling from one place to another. And, you know, because like there's that tour company called Peregrine, as well so that kind of makes sense it all makes sense yes so you might say something like she took photos of all the big tourist attractions on her peregrination from Cairns to Coffs Harbour Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm.
1: but you're not going to are you like really I
2: did I did I didn't go to Cairns but I when I went up the coast I made sure I stopped at all the big things you know the big prawn and the big banana big Pineapple, yeah, in the but beach. did you have a
1: peregrination or did you just drive there?
2: I oh, know, yeah, I just drove there. I didn't know the <laughs> word peregrination at the time.
1: <laughs> oh, and I just like to point out, in case people are wondering, I do not know what the word of the week is going to be from week to week. So you know, like my reactions are totally unscripted.
2: There you go. Yep, yeah, big surprise to Al. Always so, a surprise. Oh, peregrination. One day I'm going to say a word and you're going to just go. That's a cracker, Val. I love that word. Okay.
1: Have, haven't we had any of those? Haven't I said that in the past? Maybe I've said it at least once,
2: haven't I? I don't know. You don't give me many points. Well,
1: know. I don't know. It's hard to rank a word, isn't it? Like, they just,
2: <laughs> I'm not
1: quite sure. <laughs> I
2: think do a okay. list of words
1: I really dislike, but they're not words that you've used. So, you know.
2: No, no. I'm going to, it's going to be my personal challenge to wow you with a word one day. All right. So now I'm
1: going to they're, they're all very excellent and I would like to thank <laughs> you for allow you know for helping us all to you know expand our vocabs like it's I don't think I'll ever use any of these words ever but at least I know what they mean now which is great.
2: Yes. Don't you think team?
1: Everyone who's listening is nodding val they're nodding. Good.
2: You're welcome mm. anytime team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our writer in residence this week. It is none o. He is none other than <laughs> uh, Mark Holden, who, of course. Wow, Mark Holden, I mean, he has been really in our consciousness for as long as I can remember, ever since I watched The Young Doctors, for those people who remember The Young Doctors, and watched Countdown. Um, and, of course, Mark Holden, uh, you know, was a pop idol for, for for a long time, but then went on to a career as a um, songwriter and worked in the music industry um, and then came back into all of our lounge rooms as a judge on Australian Idol. Now, he has written a memoir which, in my opinion, is just full of so many surprises because um, you spend so much time going, oh, my God, I didn't know Mark Holden did that. Oh, I didn't know Mark Holden did that. I didn't know Mark Holden did that. I mean, did you know that Mark is a barrister?
1: No. Do you know, I have to say, when you say Mark Holden to me, all I see is
2: carnations. Yes, I know that carnations. <laughs> yes. Okay, carnations. <laughs> Sorry, but no, I did not know he was a barrister. That's yes, amazing. a barrister. Um, He uh, entered the bar shortly after he left Australian Idol, which was um, not that long ago. Anyway, his um, – His memoir is what we are talking about and it's called My Idle Years and let's have a chat to Mark Holden. So, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you very much, Valerie.
2: Now, your book, "My Idol Years," I read this last week, and it was just it was full of so many surprises um and it was a great read. but for those readers who haven't read the book yet, can you tell us what it's about?
0: well, in uh- 2006, I had a really fabulous year with Australian Idol. We were on top. It was Kyle Sandilands, Marsha Hines, and myself, Dico had left. We were – we'd come back. We'd had a drop in in, to, in 2005, and we'd come back bigger and better than ever, and and the world was fabulous. But within my spirit, I felt like for some reason 2007 was going to be my last year. I didn't really know why or how. Uh, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to write every single day this year. I'm going to write whatever happens in the year 2007, and uh, that's what I did. I, I love to write. I I, I enjoy writing, and uh, this was a task I set myself that that my intuition told me I ought to do. Mm. And as it turns out, it was uh, a pivotal year. And, uh, as it turned out, it was my last, but not through choice of my own in the end, but, uh, I did write every day. And so I got to write about my family as well as, uh, you know, what happens when, a what they call a tent post television show, one of the big shows on a network when it hits the wall. And uh, when we were we were uh, really swamped by the Channel Seven Kath and Kim tsunami, mm. and and when that hit, um, you know the show was sh- you know shaken to its uh, core, and everybody started putting the bone at everybody, and it got very. Uh, it got very intense so I I was recording it as it as it happened and and I was recording it as truthfully as I possibly could yeah. but also it captured so it captured you know uh, a big tv show a big shiny floor tv show hitting the wall and the stresses that that creates and at the same time it it, it was about the time when I was 50 and and uh well actually past 50 and uh Uh, And I was looking at myself in a different way, and struggling under the glare of of uh, being on a young person's network, you know, on a on a young person's TV network as an old chap, (laughs) and as an older chap, and which uh, so you know it just was a it was a it was a. It was a moment in time, the year 2007, and it captured my relationship with my wife, so Mm. it's a a very uh, big – it took a lot for her to, when she read it, to accept that this was going to be public. Uh, But Mm. uh, God God bless her. She's been my muse in one form or another since about 1982, so she rolled with with it.
2: And so at what point did you think this is going to be a book? Because I can totally understand, of course, just – Writing it down for your own personal reasons and reflection, and you know journaling. At, at, did you always think it was going to be a book from day I one? I thought it
0: might be. I thought it might be uh, just that, the the 2007 diary. But mm-hmm. as it turns out, 365 days is an enormous amount of writing. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 a lot of it's you know mundane. You know there are there are many mundane days in three sixty five. Uh, and so uh, I was asked to uh, if I wanted if if I wanted to do one of those books, a publisher approached me. One of those books where somebody else writes it for you and you mm. you you tell them you know you speak the story and then they write the story. But that's not what I wanted to do, and I already had this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so I – the person that – I said, well, let me at least meet the person that you want to uh, write it with me. I just like to meet them and see what they're like. So I did – I did, and the first thing I gave her was my diary. Uh, a woman called Laura, Laura Fulton, who, who uh, in the end, I, I didn't want to do it their way, and and their deal was obnoxious, and and uh, I just didn't want to do it their way. But I had met this, I had met this woman, and and she, and I had given her my diary, my 2007 diary, which she ploughed through, and. Uh, and then she we we, then I then I pa- essentially paid her to be an editor for me right. and and so I I, I asked her uh, for to yeah to to be to be an editor and and she I've had two I had two editors one with actually Transit Lounge who 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 obviously in the end published it but she was the first one and and so I kind of uh discussed it with her and and she, she picked out the, the what she thought were the better days of 2007. And, and then I just started piling on to her all these other things that I'd written. Yes. And, uh, and, and I'd written, you know, I had committed bits and pieces over the years at different times. When I was going through the Bar Readers course to become a barrister, I was writing during that time. Um. So, so I just threw it all at her. I said, "Look, here's everything that I've written, mm. uh, and now you've got everything I've written plus the diary." And then it was her idea to sort of just uh, use the use two thousand and seven as the spine, mm. and and flip back and forth between the past and the and the near past.
2: Yes, because the book is not just about 2007. The book uh, starts off in 2007, but as you've mentioned, it's kind of like there's two parallel timelines. There's the 2007 and onward, and then it does flip, like it intersperses different aspects of your life from, you know, much, much earlier, from the 70s and from From the young doctors and from, you know, whenever. And so I'm interested to know um, a couple of things. Did you keep a diary like all those times? No, no, but
0: no, no. But I, but I write a, I, I do write a lot. Uh, in fact, I just uh, uh, had a storage space uh, down in Brighton, and uh, and over over Christmas, uh, I decided to, you know, it was ridiculous to be paying two grand a year to have a storage space mm. when. When I've got a house, that, you know. Well, uh, uh, so I edited my storage space, and there was so much stuff that I'd written, and and I. But written in
2: what form? What? what oh, in, in
0: books. You know, just little journals. Uh, oh, I wrote. Okay. I, I just, I just, I wrote. For example, I wrote for a whole year. My dreams every night was one line. I yes. threw it all out though, which was a terrible thing to do. I just threw it all out. Mm. I just, I just decided that I couldn't. I couldn't uh, deliver that to my daughter when I'm dead. Okay. Uh, seriously, I thought <laughs> no, she'll you know, i would I, be horrifying for her to have to actually sit and read all that crap. Okay. But there was uh, there was tons of poems and mm. tons of stuff and and but but the better bits, the the bits that jumped out the most, ended ended up in the book, and the rest I've thrown away. Uh, I, and I'm right. I, re- I, I kind of regret that in a way, but. But wow. um, it was just a, it was an act of uh, purging.
2: So you got, you went to your storage space, you. You found all these old journals and things, and picked out the best bits, and then gave them to Laura, yes. your editor. And yes. did she kind of assemble it, or did the timelines?
0: I assembled. I assembled the timelines. It was her, yeah. it was her idea, but I assembled the timeline okay. timelines, and then and then I, you know, sought advice on on whether it was working and. And, and and obviously the thing was to really get rid of stuff really i mean it was uh, yes. there was just so much so the the biggest job was was really just removing stuff and that's hard, that's very hard to do <laughs> especially <laughs> so, when
2: you've lived such a full and colorful life as yours i can imagine that would be very hard to you <laughs> um, Yes. i i, I also think...
0: left out i also left out the more lascivious things i chose <laughs> I did. I chose. I chose consciously not to include many things that I perhaps could have.
2: Yes.
0: That that uh, I just thought no. It's uh, it's just. I just don't feel good about that. I mean, I I'm happy to. I, I don't know how to get rid of that notification thing. Sorry about that. Uh, no, I've that's tried okay. to get. Can you hear it? The, no, the, I
2: can't hear it. It's okay. 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 Cool. Because <laughs>
0: it's it annoys the crap out of me, and I've tried to get rid of it on my. Computer. No, it's fine. Every so, time. I, yeah. So, I- so 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 yeah. essentially, um, no, no. I I decided I decided to not to to omit some of those stories, and yes. and and I keep asking myself whether I could or should write a kind of a work of fiction that's not fiction and uh, about my life as a pop star, and uh, even said it in the seventies. But, right. Uh, but 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 sort of tell the truth in a in another way, you know. Right. But uh, I don't know whether I've got the courage or the energy to do that. But it's but <laughs> I but I love the idea of of just writing the story of a teen idol. Yes. Uh, yes.
2: Uh, but from
0: my own personal experience and how truly nutty it really gets.
2: Yeah, uh, I bet.
0: And, and uh, so, but but. Um, yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't done that in this case, but but not to say that I won't.
2: Sure. Now, as you say, you've just, you've left out some of the more lascivious things, and yes. but you write very candidly and yes. very uh, very honestly, and um, you know, not only about yourself but also about your thoughts about other people. Some other yes. people. Yes. Yes. Um, at some point, were you concerned about you know what would be in print and what? Um, yes, I mean how at the, the level feel? Of, I,
0: I I was in only in this only to this to the degree of is it defamatory? That's really about the 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 extent. That's the extent to which I would. Uh, I mean, because the, the, that year was very it was real. I mean, I, I, I didn't want I didn't want to cut out the. I didn't want to cut out the the edge. I cut, yeah. out, the non, I cut out the non-edge. I cut yeah. out the I cut out the bland. You know that was yeah. the, the, I cut out the bland days. I didn't want to cut out the the days that had edge. I think that was the actual story. So, mm. um, you know, there the, obviously it's it, there were some things in there that were actually public. So, yes. for example, you know, the executive producer threatening to to punch me. Mm. Was was reported at the time, mm. and so I didn't feel bad. Even though you know, I mean, I love Greg. Greg. Greg is. Uh, Greg is. Uh, I think he's he's brilliant, but he's highly strung, and and at that time, he really did want to punch me. You
2: know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> and he and he fired me in the end. You know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, but I've seen him since. Uh, I've I've forgiven him. I've thanked him for firing me. Uh, right. because, uh, I wouldn't have become a barrister if I hadn't been fired. Uh, the, uh, the shock and shame and terror of being publicly fired was so humiliating and such a shock to me that, um, that after it took me a year to get over it. And then I decided, no, I need to do something else. I need to, I need to have one more crack at a at another chapter of life, a new chapter. So it, it drove me into uh, an area that I was, you know, had no experience in being a barrister and had to start from the absolute bottom again. Yes. And I, would, I wouldn't have done that without the, uh, the upheaval of being fired. If I hadn't been fired, I would have stayed an extra two years. I would have been 57 and I would have gone, ah, that's enough. I'm mm. done and, and, so and it's for the other and it's for the other as for the other ones which i guess is really more more about Dicko, Yes. Uh, well you know i mean i've seen Dicko since and, and and i'm sure he will be pissed off with this but there's no part of it that's 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 not a true recollection of exactly what happened and yeah, sure. and so i mean my my if if there were if he were to threaten something all i would plead is truth <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, and and in fact really uh, now years later I just see that he outplayed me and uh, in a business sense it's like chess mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he checkmated me and he won and uh, I understand now looking back on it that he was just a, a lot better at playing the corporate game, the bureaucratic game, mm-hmm. the TV game and he actually was – that was actually his skill his skill was certainly not finding artists cuz he never found any mm. uh, and his skill wasn't developing artists cuz he never developed any mm. um but his skill was um and his skill wasn't wasn't creating hits because he never create you know he, he every show he went on he killed <laughs> uh, he did in in multiple in multiple continents you know <laughs> But it's, but he had this had and and continues to have this extraordinary skill of being able to network and and being able to put the pieces together and being able to sell himself. His background's uh,
2: in corporate,
0: correct? And yeah. so and so now in the fullness of time, I, I see how good he was at that. Mm. And and uh, once again, I can only see it as as happy days. And it, you know now. All these years later, it's. I look back on it and I go, "Thank you, Jesus."
2: And so, you leave. You left Idol, and you Well, I didn't law. leave Idol.
0: I was. I was shoved off. Idol. Okay.
2: And, and you studied law and became yes. a barrister. And I think that's the interesting thing about reading this book. As I was reading this book, the number of times I would say to my partner, Did you know blah, 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 blah? Did you know that Mark wrote this song? Did you know that? And so it's full of lots of these did you know's, in, in my opinion, um, which are really, really interesting. Now, you, was it when you're studying law?
0: Yes.
2: Was, was it surreal? Like you know, well, I went a, back to
0: law in I went back to law in '97. When I came back in '96 yes. um, from America, I really didn't know what I was going to do, and mm. for for all intents and purposes, I wasn't going to have a show business career. Mm-hmm. So I I figured very quickly that I that I ought to go back and get my law degree, and and but then in the middle of it, Vanessa blew up, and yes. uh, Vanessa Amorosi. Vanessa Amorosi. So, but but this time, you know, being an older bloke. I I was not going to allow myself to be, um, you know, shaken off and, and I actually enjoyed it the the second time around. So I hung in and, and I got the, got the degree and graduated in 2001. I was doing my, you know, studying in tour buses and, Mm -hmm. and in hotel rooms and, but I got it and then, then Vanessa blew up. So I just put it aside And so when 2008 came or 2009 came around and I'd had my year off after being fired, um, I I had a degree, but I didn't have a practicing certificate. So I went to Leo Cousins in where I now teach and, um, and, and then uh, I didn't want to be a solicitor. That was, you know, your life being determined in, in, you know, five minute increments. Mm. is is something six minute increments six. is something that i was not not you know just i couldn't and plus i'm unemployable no one would employ me <laughs> um i am i'm unmanageable and unemployable and, as I and the story I tell in the book is standing in the line at the Optus store in in um in elstonwick and and, and getting there early one very, very cold uh, June morning and 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 spending an hour in the line. And as it turns out, the guy that was right next to me with his at that stage, sixteen year old son, uh, who was the same age as Katie, um, were both waiting to get the iPhone. Uh, he was a he was a barrister, and he, he explained to me what a barrister's life is. That you know you can't incorporate, you don't you're not employed, you're a s- totally independent and sole practitioner, and, uh, and and it just struck me, you know, in you're fighting for people's rights, and mm. and uh, it just went, and well, I like that, and and in truth, it's been brilliant. I, I have I have loved it. I've I've really, I've I've really 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 uh, loved this extra chapter. That I've had. And I've made some good friends at the bar, and uh, I would say now I'm in my uh, eighth year or ninth year, because uh, that year I, uh, I, I I did the re- I did the uh, the uh, the practicing certificate situation okay. for six months with Leo Cousin, then okay. three months, then three months with uh, in the bar readers course, and so basically okay. by the end of 2009, I was a barrister. Mm. And then I got cancer, and that threw me out for a while. Mm. And uh, but but now I've I've been doing it for eight years, and now I've sort of come full circle. I I'm I'm more interested in making music. I'm more interested in I've written a show, yeah. written a show. I I, I go back and uh, um, and it happened just recently. I was down in Drysdale. Which is on the Bellarine Peninsula, workshopping my show, which is about my family circus, the Holden Brothers Traveling mm. Circus, and uh, and I realised as I was going to, to work on that show that uh, that morning that I was excited to get to work. I was not anxious to get to work. Mm. I was I was full of you know the joy. Whereas when I go to court, you know I don't sleep the night before. <laughs> I'm stressed you know you know you've got you've got people that the only reason that they that they brief a barrister is because everything else has failed mm. no other no other resolution has worked. And and so they litigate, and litigation is horrible. It's truly, mm-hmm. truly, truly horrible. And anyone that's been involved in litigation um, will will tell you it's just a it's just an appalling, horrible experience. So it's stressful, and 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 I you know I value it, and I'm very privileged to have the ticket. But yeah. but but I now know that that 21 year old young person who three months before their final. Exams uh, of their final year bailed out and took a um, a recording contract with EMI. I pat I pat that twenty one year old on the back and I go, "Thank you, young man. Mm. Thank you, thank <laughs> you." Because I've had forty years of of um, music and and. Yeah. Uh, recording and travelling the world and singing and and producing and writing songs and 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 it's I just can't imagine that if I had spent those forty years in court. Man
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, at what point in the last few years did you think you know that diary that I kept in two thousand and seven? Um when did you start, you know, editing it and actually shaping it into a proper uh, memoir? It's,
0: it's, it's got to be uh, well. It's probably around about 2014, because okay. that's when I that's when I did um, uh, Dancing with the Stars, and that's when the that's when a publisher came out of the woodwork and said, yep. you know, and asked me if I wanted to do. Uh, you know if I if I, if I wanted to, to, to do a book and that's when I this that's when I met uh, you know Laura and yep, yep. Uh, and I started to drag all this stuff up and Ooh. turn and turn it into a, and turn it into a book so it really wasn't probably until 2014 2015
2: I would say right now when I started reading it I did at first think oh I wonder if this diary thing you know approach is going to work but it really does work and the uh the, the two timelines really work as well. But one thing you also include is you include really quite uh, detailed descriptions about your dreams. And by that, yes. I don't mean your dreams and goals. I mean the dreams that yes. you have while you're asleep. Yes. Now, I never remember my dreams. <laughs> uh, it's, it's something that you have
0: to. You you, you will if you if I, I, uh, I again I say it. I tell a story in the book uh, of of uh, meeting this lovely woman Lilia, uh, who was actually I was probably thirty at the time, and she's my age. She was my the age that I am now. She drove around in a, a red Mercedes. She was just a very funky. She was a a, a psychologist. Uh, And, uh, this is in LA, right? In LA, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I I met, I met her at a, at a Carl Jung film. And Mm -hmm. I just happened to be sitting next to her. And when the, when the, when the movie ended, we started, just started talking about it and, and then had coffee. And then I'd meet her uh, on a, on a on a regular basis. And, and that whole, and she said, read every book. And so I did, I read every single book. That uh, that Carl Jung book and uh, mm-hmm. and and then uh, Anna, and I, I tell the story too of how Lady Soul, the song I wrote for the Temptations, that's that's on the greatest Motown's greatest hits, which I'm very proud of, and that was that came out of a dream, because I, I had uh, I had crashed and burned. I had, had a record deal that failed. I, I tell the story, of the Bette Davis story, and mm-hmm. the man China the Man Chinese Theatre story, of which is, which is in the book, of uh, meeting the fabulous Bette, Bette Davis and and doing a scene with her to present me as the as the uh, star of the future, and then it all crashing and burning, and mm-hmm. and this happened around that time, and and, and was I going to go back to Australia with Mattel between my legs of failure? Was I going to go back and do law? Was I, what was I going to do? Should I stay or should I go? You know, and uh, the I, I decided through reading all the Carl Jung books to actually analyze myself, and uh, and part of that was to write down my dreams every day for a year. And once you do that, once you get in the habit of doing it, mm-hmm. you know, even even when you wake up at night. You kind of capture the dream, you know. If you bring the dream into your consciousness, it'll Mm. stay there. It'll stay there. And if you and if you write first thing in the morning, uh, Mm. when it's when they're fresh, you can even remember the several that you've had during the night that you've gone back to sleep for. So it just Mm. becomes it just becomes you know a a thing that you get used to. And then once you have all these dreams, which as I said, I just threw them all out, and uh, Mm. I uh, which was I. Perhaps a bit nutty, perhaps. But 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 once you once you re, once you've done it for a year, and you can go back over several months, you can see that what actually what actually happens is that your brain will be, or your spirit, whatever it is, will regurgitate stuff, but from different angles. And so, if you if I have a dream about being on stage, one dream will be from the audience uh, point of view of the audience, and then another dream th- three weeks later. Uh, will be from above or behind the stage <laughs> and it's and you see it you don't know it at the time but when you're writing them all down and then you go back and you see them over a period of months you'll see all these patterns evolving and and these and these the, y- your spirit and your brain working through these issues and yeah. and then so, and some that are just you know you could write a book uh, you know, there were some that were real space age dreams, and 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 that I'm I'm certain if I if I, if I could actually just write that that was the outline of a whole book right there. You know, some mm. science fiction some science fiction book. You know, wow. Uh, and uh, but it's just a, it's a habit you get into, it, you yes. know, of just bringing them to the surface and and not allowing them to 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 dissolve.
2: When you were going through your life, I'm sure that this writing this memoir, putting together this memoir, had a lot of self reflection and yes. remembering stuff that went on in in your life. Yes. Um, was it something that was enjoyable? Was it something that was you know nostalgic? Yes. Was it something that was confronting? Was it you
0: know- No, not really. No, it was the the, the, the it was enjoyable. Uh, it was mm. I, I I love. I love uh, memories and dreams and and no there's something really beautiful about about that movie that goes on in your head but I but it's important I find to do it as close to the time as possible and uh, when when it's when it's fresh so you can get the detail and and particularly as I'm as I'm getting older the the stuff that I haven't written down um, is gone you know I can't I, I can it's very hard to recapture the detail right. you've got to, you've got to do it in the moment you've got to do it in the moment no I, I love it it's I made a, a, a 5 25 minute short films about my family circus uh, a few years ago which no one ever saw it's on iTunes but it was really it was a big mishmash you know it cost me a fortune and but I just loved it chiseling at it, like a watchmaker, you know, I loved, Mm. I loved working on a frame or an idea or, or I just, I could have spent more years on it, you know, and more, and, and, and in fact I am because now I've, that actually ended up being those five 25 minute short films really ended up being more or less a, a, a whiteboard or a, you know, something where I've just thrown all the ideas up and, Mm. and, and hopefully, I'll get to use them at some point, or, or you know, my grandchild that I've never met will.
2: Mm. Are you now focusing on on that, or has this process of writing this memoir wet your appetite to write other long form things?
0: It has. I've, I've I've got two or three ideas I'm I'm dreaming about at the moment. Ah. Um, okay. That that uh, that I that I just got to bring myself to. To either just to start, really, but in that case, but, what do
2: you enjoy about the writing process?
0: I just, just, I just love it. I, I, I can't express. I don't know. It's like writing a song. It's what do you enjoy about writing a song? It's, it's, uh, I, 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 it's. I don't. I can't tell you. It's just something that I love doing. It's, it's, it is a form of meditation. It is a form of. Uh, it's like painting. I, I wish I could paint. I can't paint I yeah. tried to paint uh, I, I wrote that in the book too uh, my girls gave me christmas present of, of painting and it was it was so that was so horrible I was so bad <laughs> and it just disappointed me so much that I was so bad okay know. so <laughs> that, the, but 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 with uh but with uh songs I can't stop myself writing. I write regularly. I, I now, instead of, uh, I've, I've just recorded an EP with my brother, but, but mainly with that's three songs with my brother that are, that are on, um, Apple music and Spotify and all those things. But mainly what I do now is I just, uh, record them on, um, a thing called a photo booth on my, on my computer and and just sitting in front of the computer, however I happened to look that day, I just perform them straight in there. there's a video and a recording boom it cost me nothing. And then I posted on then I posted online on Facebook and my 10,000 friends <laughs> like I did posted one on Saturday night called um, Get your meds right and uh, uh, which which my which my daughter was appalled by because I dedicated it to a friend of hers and I had to had to um, remove that part of the of the song, but I just like the act of creating, the act of creating, yeah. and and I like the act of creating, and I find that as I'm old, when I get older, I I have more trust in myself, I I know how to do it with the minimum effort, mm. and 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 get out of the way of it, and so when it happens. Um, I just love the out the 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 outpouring of it, and and I'm toying. I've just got a big pile of stuff to my right, which you can't see, but it's a whole pile of history of of uh, the Holden Brothers traveling circus. That might be the one that I start because it's it's something that exists. There's mm. the one there's the one that I've been telling you about um, uh, before about writing about a pop star's life in the '70s. Yes. Uh, but but you know completely uh, unfiltered, yes. um, and uh, I have another one I'd like to write. I'd like I'd, I'd like to write about my life with my wife now in in my sixties and and the challenges that that creates for us having been together for so long and now being in an empty nest and mm. and and the physical aspects of being older and the reconnection, deconnection. Um, it's, there's that, if you know, she could be my muse again, I'm sure that mm. one would be, that one would be seriously personal. Mm. Uh, but, but I, that one has been pulling me I almost started it last week. I, I almost got to the point of just doing a, a, a dump and uh, I didn't – I don't know why I didn't. But uh, And there's another one that I had actually put the time aside for that we're using right now. Uh, these three weeks in January, uh, uh, a woman in America who uh, I've got to know a little bit but uh, who is uh, the first lady of Motown. And it was the first woman in to put a record out on Motown and the story of her life. And, and I had given her this three weeks that we're in right now, but I couldn't, I couldn't get the commitment from her. And I, but I would commit to, the, I couldn't get the commitment to her to, to actually say, come on over and do it. Mm. And, and, um, so, but I haven't given up on that one because it's, it's an extraordinary story. That one, that one. That one, is, that one is one that I'm burning to tell.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, I can tell by the oh, passion in your voice that uh, there's obviously going to be another book because I have to say, I never really thought I would ever read a book by Mark Holden, but God, I passion. have and, and I enjoyed it and I'm actually looking forward to the next one. So Good on you, thank you. Th- thank you so much for your time today, Mark.
0: I appreciate it.
2: There you go, Mark Holden. Hmm. Well, it's a
1: great interview. Like, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I, I just think that. You know, you think you know a person Mm. from their carnations and their, you know, TV (laughs) appearances, but I guess there's so much more that goes on. And I guess the value of keeping a diary is, Mm. you know, (laughs) it could one day turn out to be your memoir.
2: Yeah, one day Mm. turn into a book, absolutely. Mm. And there's real value in that actually in in keeping Mm. a diary or a journal. It's something that I only do from time to time, like during certain periods of my life, you know, not necessarily – difficult periods, just certain periods I feel like doing it. And Mm. I wonder whether I should actually set myself a challenge to do it, say, for a year or or, or some kind of decent period like Mm. what Mark did because you never know what's going to come out of it.
1: No, that's true. Mm. That is true. Maybe I should do it too. I used to have one. It was called a blog.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I used
1: to write it every single day. And it's a really interesting thing because I – I did actually make uh, you know I went to blurbcom and I made books out of my out of my blog the first few years of my blog um, because they were obviously I was writing daily and it was a lot more sort of life based and mm. um, you know family more more personal but not um, than it is now and uh, I was reading back on a couple of those posts recently and the the value in doing that of those particularly those daily snippets, just for reviving things that you would never remember any other way. Right. It just can't be it just it, it there's it's amazing. It's it is actually quite amazing. And I love reading some of those I, I've been going through the back end of my website, sort of tidying things up. Mm. And um I love reading those early posts because they just you know, my boys were little then and sort of yeah. some of the stuff that they were doing and it's just hilarious. The conversations that I used to have with my youngest son, I mean he's pretty amusing still, but <laughs> when he was like four, uh, funniest kid ever and he just used <laughs> to make me laugh so much. And the, You know, I would just relay these entire conversations on the blog and y- you're never going to remember that stuff no. without a written prompt like that. So how definitely ob- How long doing.
2: did you write every day for?
1: Ah, uh, I reckon – Three years maybe wow yeah i I remember at the moment I decided that uh, I needed to stop doing that was when I realized that oh that's what happened I printed I got the first one done um, mm-hmm. as a blurb uh, book, book and I realized that there were three hundred and fifty thousand words in wow. that book um, I, I eventually went through and took some of that stuff out but three hundred and fifty thousand words and I realized that I could I could blog 100,000 words a year and still have two full-length novels. Yeah. (laughs) So I was doing that and I was writing novels that were 90,000 words at the time as well. And so you kind of just think maybe I should just put some of that Space into something else, which is so. That's what I ended up doing, and that's when I sort of cut my blog back to three days a week. And um, now that I write, you know, last year I wrote four books. Uh, I I only blog once a week, so you know, you just got. I guess I've always had the theory that you know you've got so many words in your life (laughs) on a daily basis, and you just got to figure out where you want to put them. Because I was also freelance writing at that time, so I was writing a lot of words. Uh, in articles and different things as well, and then I was writing my novels, and then I was blogging every day and so you know that's i mean you know I was drowning in words really at that point so, so even
2: though it you it took till you printed it out and realised that it was three hundred and fifty thousand words so it, if you hadn't have done that, did you feel stretched?
1: No, not really. I had days i mean i think I guess the interesting thing about blogging on a daily basis like that um is is that habit that you have right mm. so it's like you build that habit so i would sit down and some of those posts were only 200 words if flat some of them were less sure. one of them one of the most popular posts i ever wrote was one paragraph long um so you know there were shorter ones as well um but you you just got it was just, it was what i did and i used to do it at like 10 o'clock every night i would sit down at the end of the day and i would write my post and it was just it was it was a really good habit to get into in the sense that it was like, okay, I've got to write a blog post. I need to write it about something. What am I going to write it about? And and then what I would do is I would take one small thing, one tiny little aspect of my day, whatever that might have been, um, and I would construct a blog post based on that one small, tiny thing that happened that day. So it wasn't like a daily and then we did this and then we did that and then we did whatever. It was, you know, one conversation, one thing I saw, one thing I overheard, one, you know, one observation, one whatever, one yeah. tip, and whatever, one thing. Mm. Um, and you get into the habit of finding those one things and and that's when you start to realise that the writing prompts you know, ideas for things are just all over the place and you just – it's a good training for spotting those things.
2: Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, um, and do you feel more freed up now? Um, Do you know
1: what is really interesting? I do in the sense that, you know, I still probably write as many words. I find blog posts a lot harder to write now though because I'm only writing one a week. Yeah. And, and it makes them feel like every post I write needs to be –
2: You know, super duper. Yeah, I get
1: it. Mm. it Whereas when I was writing seven a week, if I, Mm. you know, like if one of them wasn't amazing and super duper, well, you know, at least there was a post there. Um, So I actually do find that I find blogging harder now than I did when I was doing it seven days a week.
2: Interesting. Hmm. Okay, well, anyway, I thought yeah, we would where, where um, we? <laughs> chat about a tool that I like to use yeah. that's called grum.co. So, G R U M co as in C-O, Grum.co. And what Grum.co does, it, and this is particularly useful for those people who are building their author platform because I hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't know what to, you know, I don't have the time, I don't have, you know, I can't, I hate typing on my phone, and <laughs> um, which is where a lot of social media happens obviously. But um, what Grum.co does is it can post Instagram from your computer. And when I found this, I was just like happy, happy. Joy, because Mm. I don't like typing on my phone using my fingers on my phone. I don't mind when Mm -hmm. I've got a key Bluetooth keyboard attached to my phone, Um, but I there's nothing that I there's nothing I could think of that's worse than typing a long post or even a short post on my phone. So the great thing about Grum.co is you can post to Instagram for you from your computer, but importantly, you can schedule. So for example, sometimes I am. you know, getting a little bit snap happy with my rope or with my cats or whatever. And I'm sure that people don't want 10 posts of whatever interesting thing I think um, I've captured that day. Uh, And so, instead of posting all at once, I can just schedule them, maybe one per hour or one for the next day and the day after that or so, Uh, particularly stuff that isn't time sensitive, if you know what I mean. Mm. And I find it really useful. So I just mm. thought that that would be a useful tool to share for those people who are building their author platform who mm. maybe are keen to do Instagram but they don't necessarily want to think about it every single day and there are certain mm. things that they want to go out at least every single day to, to keep their online presence alive and they can certainly stockpile and, um, and schedule them. So, there you go. Fabulous. What an excellent
1: tip. Thank you very much for that, Valerie.
2: You're welcome. And, of course, this and other platform building tips are in Alison's course, How to Build Your Author Platform, which is an awesome course that gives you a step-by-step, literally step-by-step blueprint, module-by-module action steps that you need to take uh, and and a fantastic Facebook group as well um, who are Mm. all really supportive. So, big Mm. shout-out and hello to everyone in the Build Your Author Platform Facebook group. And, of course, you can find out more about Alison's course at writercentre.com.au slash platform. That's writercentercomau slash platform. So now that brings us almost to the end of this week's podcast. Al, what are you doing in the coming week? Um.
1: What am I doing? That's a really good question. I'm catching up on stuff. I'm working on those workshops that we talked about and getting myself – I'm just – I'm trying to get myself organized for May. That is my job. Oh, yes.
2: Okay, Mm. great. And you? I'm going to Mossvale, I think I mentioned. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, going for my little road trip to Mossvale so I can get my um, individual tuition from the weaving expert lady. Uh, So I shall be doing that as well as – creating more of the content writing course hmm, so excellent. yes where do we find in the meantime where do we find you online al you'll find me at alisontait.com,
1: tate.com t.com you will find me on twitter at at al tate a l t a i t and you'll find me on facebook and instagram at alison writer and you valerie
2: You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram where you'll see lots of pictures of rope and cats <laughs> and books <laughs> and piles of paper. are not wait. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes scheduled by Grum. <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye.